Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Coming up, a look at Western alienation and the discussion around Alberta independence. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Hello and welcome to The Andrew Lawton Show, Canada's most irreverent talk show here on True North. We're doing things a bit differently this week on the program. We're doing a two-part series on one of the most important discussions facing Confederation in quite some time. And while certainly the media discussion of this has died down a bit with the coronavirus pandemic, the dialogue and discourse and discord about this at a grassroots level is still very much alive and well. And that is Western alienation, the independence and alienation, and in many cases, resentment that we see in the West, probably no more so than in Alberta. I've spoken about this in the past. I've done a number of interviews about it and, frankly, a lot of research about it on my own. And despite being an Easterner from Ontario, as many people from Alberta would certainly term me, I'm very aware and very receptive to these concerns. And I have been especially since the federal election in October when so many of these concerns boiled up. On the weekend, I was in Calgary at Freedom Talk, a conference put on twice a year by the Economic Education Association that explores Alberta's place in Canada, or more recently, potentially Alberta's place outside of Canada. I spoke at this conference in November and had the great honor of speaking again this past weekend as they discussed a lot of the lack of movement. Even after Alberta's government had the Fair Deal panel, which was supposed to look at how Alberta can secure a fair deal with Ottawa. The standing assumption is that if there is no fair deal, there will be no Alberta in Confederation moving forward, which is why there was a lot of disappointment from Albertans, especially Albertan nationalists or Albertan sovereigntists, when the report came out and listed recommendations that a lot of people felt were fairly lackluster. So this is all the backdrop against which this show is set. And we're going to be talking about a lot of different themes, the political and the cultural, this episode and next, but exploring from many different angles the idea of Western independence and what comes next. I want to play a little bit for you of the speech that I gave to give you a sense of my perspective on this. Because after all, the whole point, the whole underpinning of this is that the West is tired of the East telling them how to live. So why should you listen to a guy from the East to talk about it? Well, as I say in the speech, I'm not here to tell you what Alberta should do. I'm here to tell you what the stakes are and why this is a national discussion instead of just an Alberta discussion. Here's the clip. In all honesty, I know that there are a lot of you who would wonder, what do I as an Easterner have to offer the discussion of Alberta independence? I want to just say right out of the gate, I am not here to tell the people of Alberta what their priorities should be or to tell the people of Alberta how they should navigate this discussion, which I concede is an important one. I'm here to offer a bit of perspective on how that discussion fits into the national dialogue and why even for Albertans that are wanting to chart a path of independence, why that national dialogue matters. Whether you like it or not, Alberta independence is a national issue. Alberta is a province in Confederation, Alberta is a province in Canada, and that means that the decisions that take place here for or against independence have very wide-ranging implications that affect the whole of Canada. As a small-c Conservative, I was talking about this over breakfast with some people, if you were to take Alberta out of Confederation, that would mean that there will never be a Conservative elected in Canada again. 
Now, a lot of you would say, who cares? I understand that, and we'll get to that point later on. But the reason this matters is because to have a path forward for Alberta, to have a fair deal, requires there to be a narrative that has some buy-in from outside of Alberta. And right now, the deck is stacked against you. You see this in the political narrative. You see it in the media narrative. Now, I say this as one of a small number, but a growing number of independent journalists in Canada. The coverage of Alberta independence, for starters, this weekend is non-existent. There's not a single mainstream media reporter here. Rebel was here yesterday. We have a radio host from Calgary here. Where's Rishi? A Punjabi radio host who's here, and I'm very grateful for it. But the mainstream media is absent from this. And I'd say, by and large, has been absent from the dialogue. And we're going to talk about this a little bit this morning, because I, I'm not entirely sure that people understand why that is. And it's not just about resentment towards Alberta, resentment towards Alberta interest. That does play in a little bit. Here's the problem, though. A lot of the politicians who entertain Western alienation and Western independence are not doing so because they hear the concerns. They're doing so because they want to check the box that said they heard the concerns. A lot of people saw this after the election. I was in Regina, Saskatchewan the night of the federal election at Andrew Shear's what they wanted to be a victory party. And obviously, it was not a happy evening. I think the only bit of good news that night was that Ralph Goodale had lost his seat. That was, I think, the one thing that people were enjoying. But the rest of it was not just we're sad that our team lost, but people saying, I have no idea what this means for the West. And I get that. Trudeau spoke that week about the importance of hearing the West, of having people in Alberta and Saskatchewan represented, even though there are no Western voices really in federal government right now, in cabinet. And as much as Christia Freeland tries to pretend she's an Albertan at heart, I don't think that matters any more than a line on a birth certificate, and I'm sure everyone in the room would agree. So there is no representation, not just in the federal government, but even many people would argue, and I've heard these concerns this weekend at the provincial government. And the whole point of this is that there are a lot of politicians that want to say they hear the concerns, but aren't actually listening to them truly. Jason Kenney said after the federal election that Albertans feel betrayed. He talked about, quote, the frustration and alienation that was there. That was in October. In February, after the Tech Frontier, or actually it was just before the Tech Frontier uh, decision to withdraw was announced, Jason Kenney said that he's warning of Western alienation. How did we go in October from we know Western alienation is a big threat to in February... Western alienation might become a bit of a problem. He warned that it would reach a boiling point, to which I would say, bring it on, because it's only at the boiling point that things start to happen. And there are a lot of politicians that talk about Western alienation in abstract terms, that talk about independence in abstract terms. And I, and I mean no disrespect to the people that have put in a lot of the legwork on this. But when you talk about all of these issues, it's important that you understand that checking off the box, producing the report, does nothing if there is no follow-up.
Well, I hope I disclaimed that I'm not here to tell you what to do. That was certainly where I wanted to start off on that. And I was actually very grateful for all the support that I got, uh, not just after my speech, but even before it, from people that I met at Freedom Talk that are happy with the work we're doing at True North. So thank you very much to all of you. But as I said, I wanted to talk about the political and the cultural aspects of this. And in particular, this episode, I want to talk about the political stakes. And I was able to sit down with Drew Barnes, who's an MLA for Cypress Medicine Hat, and one of the MLAs, who's a United Conservative Party representative, who was actually on the Fair Deal panel. Except unlike many of the people on the panel, in fact, unlike every other person on the panel, Drew Barnes was not satisfied with the report that ended up being published. He was the lone dissenter to this, saying that this is not going far enough to give Albertans what they want. And when this came up, he had said unequivocally to Jason Kenney, his own party's leader, that he is an Alberta patriot. He doesn't support unconditional federalism, which seems to be what the Jason Kenney and Confederation narrative has been pushed towards, the keep Alberta in at all costs narrative. So Drew Barnes says unrepentantly, look, we need to look out for Alberta, we need to look out for Albertans, and we need to look out for Alberta's interests. And he's still in the UCP, but he's very much pushing for a representation of the interests of the great many people he says are still wanting out, or at the very least wanting a better deal. Here's my interview with Drew Barnes. Sitting down with Cypress Medicine Hat MLA Drew Barnes, also on the Fair Deal panel, but more importantly, the lone dissenting voice to the report put forward by that panel. Drew, it's good to talk to you again. Thank you very much to be here and nice to see you. So when we spoke last time, we were just getting started on this and I think there was a lot of optimism, there was a lot of hope, certainly some uncertainty from people and when you look at what that process became and, and what we ended up with on the report, why was it so important for you to be the voice on a committee that I think everyone was probably expecting to be unanimously behind it to say no? Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that. I, I think first of all, it was impossible for an 80-page written report to fully replicate the powerlessness and the despair that, that I heard and my panel colleagues heard from Albertans. Uh, tens and tens, hundreds of people that went to the mic and, and with tears, with powerlessness, with distress that they couldn't find work they were looking for, their children couldn't, their friends couldn't, their communities couldn't, and it had gone on for a long time. Feelings of frustration that it's been 20 years since the original firewall letter was mm. was put out there for for Alberta to be more autonomous and more in control of our of our future, and little or almost nothing had happened. So the Fairdale panel report has a lot of good stuff in there, but it didn't go far enough. It didn't it didn't implement the timelines and the deadlines that a lot of Albertans were telling me we needed to hear. And, and maybe especially, Andrew, it didn't have the hammer. It didn't have the consequences for Ottawa. If Ottawa once again, and our Canadian partners once again, ignores the powerlessness, the frustration, the, the desire to take risk, create jobs and share our wealth that, that exists in Alberta, if they ignore that again, there has to be consequences. And, and hundreds of Albertans told me that consequence has to be a referendum on independence. I know you certainly went into it listening to what people were saying and you, you've told me and you, you've told the audience here at Freedom Talk about what some of those concerns were. Do you think that in many ways the report was already written before the process started? 
I don't think so, um, but it, but we've been down this road before. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the famous firewall letter, which Stephen Harper was part of, Tom Flanagan, Andy Crooks, you know, Ken Busenkall, there was many of them. 20, in this January, it's 20 years where they talked about Alberta being part of Canada, but more, more autonomous. None of that has happened. Mm-hmm. Ralph Klein, I think in his last six months, struck an MLA committee to do the Fair Deal panel. They went around the province and did a similar thing to what we did, and they're conclusion was don't do any of this it all costs a bit of money they totally didn't consider what many Albertans told me they wanted to consider and that's the leverage that Alberta can gain by reminding our Canadian partners by reminding Ottawa of the 20 to 40 billion annually that we contribute to Confederation the culture the quality of life we had to Confederation for all of Canada so so I think it, it was impossible to take some of that past history and not mm-hmm. reflect it somewhat uh, but it's a different time now Um, 25% of the people that went to the mics, and we had 20 to 30 of these town halls, 25% of the people that went to the mics clearly said, Canada's broken, they won't let us move resources, they won't let us free trade, they won't let us live the full potential of life we want. Canada's over, let's just get out. Uh, Up to 80% went to the mic and said, Canada's broken, we maybe need to give Canada one more chance, let the people in Quebec and Ontario know how much we're hurting out here, how much we want to work, how badly we need pipelines and resource movement, uh, how much we contribute to the extra $3 billion plus we contribute annually to CPP, uh, the $20 billion in taxes, more equalization, more transfer payments, all those things, hoping that, that politicians and the, and the power brokers will help get us, get us going. We'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, you know, many, many people said they wanted a timeline and a deadline. As an example, Premier Kenny's talking about the equalization referendum uh, when the municipal elections are in October of 2021. Very, very common uh, theme at, at these fair, at these fair, um, the, these panel meetings rather, was uh, soon, let's do it soon. There's no guarantee that Ottawa will uh, cooperate and change us. So let's have this equalization referendum right away and let's get to work today. The, the despair, the powerlessness has really grown. Do you think there's a desire on the part of the people that don't want to entertain this discussion that the anger, the frustration, it will just all subside? Because I think it was a lot more palpable right after the federal election. And I have to wonder if the hope or the design is just that people will eventually just forget about it. And just like the firewall was a flash in the pan and then went away, this will too. And it will just be a cycle we revisit every couple of decades. That would be a mistake. Uh, the, the despair, the frustration, the desire for action is a lot deeper this time. Um, and it's still there. It's oh, still there. it is still there, and it's at least 25%. Uh, you know, since I came out with a dissenting opinion saying, yes, Canada first, let's, let's, Alberta should be the freest, most prosperous place in, in the whole world. If that's within Canada, that's great. If that's not within Canada, that's great too. Uh, I've gone to public meetings where, where I've been signaled out, where people have said to me, Thank you for saying what we're all thinking, and and, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, so, those in charge, those in Ottawa, it, it's it's we, we have a federal government, and and it's more than just Justin Trudeau, or, or although that's a train wreck, of course, uh, we have a federal government that is trying to destroy our competitive advantage, trying to 
destroy what we built with with providing environmentally safe oil and gas to the whole world and to all Canada for the benefit of all Canadians. And 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 to me, that's just a situation. That's a situation that will not last. You've got your extremes on this. Your people that keep Canada together at all costs, regardless of the impact on Albertans. And you've got Albertans that they want out no matter what. I mean, they're tired of talking. They're they're tired of it. So you're not a separatist in the sense, but you're saying, look, I mean, you're not going to close off one of the two paths if one is clearly going to give Alberta that prosperity that you talked about. Yeah, exactly. And and, and nor, you know, nor should we. Why would we? Uh, unqualified uh, loyalty to, to candidates makes no sense. Uh, a strong, independent, contributing part of Canada makes total sense if other Canadian provinces and other Canadian jurisdictions are the same. If Alberta can lead the way in the framework for more autonomy for all provinces, more wealth creation, so all of Canada can be richer and freer. Why, that would be good for Canada. If, if Alberta cannot do that, we have to look at all of our options, including, including an independence referendum. You're right, there was about 20% of, of Albertans that went to the mic and said, under no conditions should we even look at separating. We should just take what Canada gives us. Some of them would add, and by the way, we should have a sales tax. Uh, <laughs> does, that mean that, does that mean they're huge yes. fans of bigger government? Who knows? But, but Andrew, I, I'm so glad that like you're here and you're spreading the word for freedom and, and, and for communities, and I'm so glad that Albertans want to really have this discussion, and this time have it with timelines and deadlines. Let's, let's, we're, we're not just an angry mob that, that can be placated by this just going away if, if a Conservative gets a Elected or if we get one pipeline. We, we want the opportunity to be the freest, most prosperous place in the world. Does patriotism not come with a commitment to fix your country when it's broken, though, rather than abandoning it? Well, nobody's saying we're abandoning it. Uh, and, and well, so, I'd say the, the separatists are. The yeah, people well, that are unbridled, let's get out yeah, of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of that, though, is, is a fixed call. But maybe that fix, if our values are so different that we cannot enhance our, our competitive advantage of, of environmentally sound carbon, if we can't live the free type of life we want, we have to look at all the options. And, uh, I, you know, I no, I, I think, you know, we're, we're, we were born as free people. We, we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our friends and our families and our communities to push. And, uh, Andrew, there's so, there's so much frustration and despair out here. When I spoke last night, I, you know, I, I spoke of the people that haven't worked in three years and are making or making 65% of what they used to make. My, my constituents I've talked to that have put hundreds of thousands back into their business, sometimes from their RSPs, because they don't want to hurt their employees and their friends and, and they want to keep things going. Um, people I know that have worked hard and, and created tons of wealth that when I bump into them, they're saying, hey, their money and them are out of here. And, and, and that's what we have to, that's why we have to have this discussion. That's why we have to have this talk. Alberta will be better if we're more prosperous and more free. Canada will be better if Alberta is more prosperous and more free. Let's see where it goes. MLA Drew Barnes, thanks very much. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it. Now, of course, Drew Barnes' response to this report did not earn him a lot of love from many parts of the province and the country. The NDP was calling for him to be thrown out of caucus. Certainly, there was some discontent among the UCP ranks as well for going after this panel. But ultimately, it was representing people that feel that their voices were not being heard when Jason Kenney said that independence would not only be bad for Alberta, but was an empty threat, as though a lot of the people who feel such anger are not at all going to do anything about it. 
about it, which is basically a politician's way of saying, you know what, you're not really our concern right now. Now, that being said, it's not to say that there's anything wrong with wanting to keep the country together. Listen, I'm a Canadian patriot. I love this country. I don't want a province that I have a great deal of love and admiration for to get out. But I also don't want them to be continually shafted, which is where we got to the problems that we have now. Now, all of the conservative leadership candidates were invited to the conference. Now, many of them aren't traveling because of pandemic restrictions, but only one did show up, and that was Derek Sloan. Now, I spoke to Derek Sloan on this very show a few months ago. He was there speaking about his vision for the Conservative Party and for Canada, but he also gave his pitch for why he thinks that Alberta is actually the embodiment of the very best traits of Canada and as such should be remaining in Confederation. This is a small clip from Derek Sloan's speech. I do believe, though, that uh, it was not by accident that Canada became a nation and escaped uh, being subsumed into America during its expansionist age. And I believe that the uh, sentiment, which comes from Psalm 72.8, he shall have dominion also from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth, applies to Canada. I believe we have a global mission to share our values of freedom, of peace, order, and good government. And while I respect and encourage the rights of provinces and peoples to, to promote and, and fight strenuously for fair treatment and their own rights, I believe that Canada is better together. And um, I understand that there's others that disagree, and that's fine. And I won't, uh, I won't dwell on that, but I believe that we have a mission to the world to share our values, many of which are shared the strongest in this province. And I believe that Canada is better off with Alberta. That was Conservative leadership candidate Derek Sloan, who, just to give you a little bit of a pitch, will be participating in the Independent Press Gallery leadership debate next week that I'll be moderating, and True North will be streaming that as well as the Independent Press Gallery itself. But the whole point of this is that there are a lot of people now within the established parties that the people the loudest about Alberta independence feel are not hearing them, which is why the UCP, which you may remember was a merger of the Wild Rose and PC Party of Alberta, has basically had a lot of people saying that they don't think it's the vessel to secure that good deal for Alberta. Now, there have been a number of parties that have come up in the wake of this all, and one of them is Wexit Alberta, which merged a couple of weeks ago with the Freedom Conservative Party of Alberta, which was the party founded by former Wild Rose MLA Derek Fildebrandt. And there's also the Wild Rose Independence Party, which is a new political party that has been now the product of this merger of Wexit Alberta and the Freedom Conservative Party. And the interim leader of this new party of the Wild Rose Independence Party is actually Paul Hinman, who is the former leader of the Wild Rose Alliance. So I should draw you a diagram on this, but the whole point is that Paul Hinman has been within the established party system. He's been a party leader. He's been an MLA, and he's looking at the landscape right now and saying that Alberta's best interests are not being represented by the status quo. So he's actually come out of political retirement to be the interim leader of this party, and he was at the conference, and I was very grateful to have been able to sit down with him and speak about why he thinks there needs to be a third party, an additional political voice at the table, to secure a good deal for Alberta. This is our conversation. 
I'm sitting down with Paul Hinman, the interim leader of the Wild Rose Independence Party, and I should say the newly uh, interim leader of the uh, Wild Rose Independence Party. Congratulations, and thanks, Paul, for sitting down today. Well, thank you very much, and more important, thank you for the work that you do. Well, I appreciate that very much, especially from politicians, who uh, I'm more used to them trying to ban us from covering them than actually sitting down with us, so I appreciate it very much. Let's talk about where the Wild Rose Independence Party fits into the discussions about Western independence right now, because we've seen a whole bunch of different voices pop up. And in the last few weeks, we, of course, had the merger between Wexit Alberta and the Freedom Conservative Party, thus becoming your party. Where do you see your party's role as really being in this dialogue? I think the biggest problem right now, uh, uh, pe people that are looking to the future and government has such a major impact on our, our quality of life, what we're allowed to do, what we can't do, and the intrusion of government is just, it, it's running rampant. And COVID-19 is a, a perfect example of this, how we have all of a sudden these computer modelings and these cataclysmic activities going on that, you know, it's the end of the world and we got to shut everything down and, and no cost-benefit analysis, let no cost-benefit even on the lives other than that, oh, this, this one isolated incident uh, expelled everything else from the table and we don't get to look at it when in fact, you know, how many people died last year from the flu, how many of this, and, and government seems to be focusing in more and more on a, on controlling our lives and people are frustrated and, and saying, you know, we, we don't need all of this, you know, we're, we're uh, thinking individuals, we're rational and we know that there's a flu out there, people can self-isolate at home, um, seniors, you know, there's steps that we can take and again, this idea of central government knowing what's best for everything when I, I loved your analogy here that, you know, when I say that I'm from London in the 905, they think I'm from Britain. Yes. I, I mean, <laughs> and, and that's, that's the problem of, of centralization that they really think that, you know, that, wow, I'm the center of the universe and you're from Pluto. And by the way, we don't even know if you're a planet. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's bizarre how we have a group of individuals that, that's looking for parental guidance and then those that are independent, self-reliant and, and, and want structure, rule of law and order. And the Wild Rose Independence, what it did and why I stepped in is because there's nowhere else to go right now. Everything seems to be going towards big centralized government decision making and, and the Wild Rose Independence Party is, is going in the other direction, that, that we need to stand up for ourselves, we need to put our house in order. We're not going to be told by um, Eastern thugs or whoever, Laurentian elites, <laughs> that this is the way you need to live your life and by the way it's because we're morally superior to you and you are uh, second class citizens that just don't know what's best for you. The one thing I found interesting from speaking to you earlier in the conference this weekend is that it's not about independence for the sake of independence, in your view. And it's not about just a reaction to the status quo. You're putting forward a, a conservative vision that on its own, I think, would stand up as a, an election platform. But it's coming at a time when those values that you're talking about, of independence, of self-sufficiency, of getting your fiscal house in order, are harder and harder to come by in politics in general, but even in Alberta, which I think in a lot of cases has long been a place where people on the right have taken for granted that it will always be this way. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's astounding to me how, and again, I always take the exception to being a politician. I, I'm an elected representative. <laughs> right now I am because I'm an interim leader, I guess um, I'm politicking, but... We, we really do need to, to realize who, who we are 
and who's controlling us. And Albertans are, are entrepreneurs that, that freedom is in their heart and we don't want a government controlling us saying, you know, who we are, how we're going to behave and where we're going to go and when you get to do it. And th this is the problem. And, and so this is a movement about freedom. Um, independence is very important to Albertans. And we're just not going to, to take the Laurentian elites uh, overtones anymore. And in my opinion, we're ready to stand up and say, you know what? Hey, mom, hey, dad, we, we've been out on our own for 20 years. We, we have our house paid off. We have all these things. And, and you can't keep coming in and intruding in our lives and telling us, that you know you can't do that we're, we're, we're stepping outside the circle and we're going to do what we need to do to keep our house in order and to provide a, a future for our children and grandchildren because right now i do not see my my grandchildren even coming close to the opportunities that i have it, it's scary when you actually look out five or ten years and the way things are escalating one or two years you were previously the leader of the Wild Rose Alliance, so you've been at the forefront of these discussions, and uh, we certainly know that the Wild Rose Alliance never formed government does that. It then lead, led to a, a merger that I think people are familiar enough with. We don't need to rehash it. But I guess when you look back at the last decade, because you were elected in 2009, correct? That was the last time, yes. Yeah, so when you, were, when you were elected the last time in 2009, what do you think has fundamentally changed in Alberta? I mean, certainly the federal government change has made people a lot more frustrated and a lot less optimistic. But do you think there's been a, a fundamental change in Alberta that's led to reaching the boiling point in, in these frustrations now? Well, I, I think the first change was is that Albertans were disgusted um, with a collusion of the right wing coming together to, to say, oh, we're going to do everything great, uh, but by the way, we can't balance the books. Um, and so uh, taxation's gone up, debt has gone up, um, personal freedoms have been reduced, uh, centralization has increased, and uh, most important, I guess, is that the economy and the, the, the change of oil prices in the world and thus failing to get access to, to world markets through Tidewater um, it has boxed us in and the economic pain now has brought in the reality that we, we can't keep doing this you know we're we're on a hiking trip with all these Laurentian elites and uh, all of a sudden we realize that you know what I'm not carrying your tent I'm not carrying your backpack I'm certainly not going to carry your water um, and I'm not going to cook for you tonight and we, we just, we're, we're in a situation now with billions of dollars in a government that's out of control and spending and all of a sudden has this idea that we need to have uh, corporate subsidies to get the economy going when, you know, just listening to Michelle Sterling here this morning, uh, the biggest tax we need to get rid of is, is all of the carbon taxes, um, you know, the, the, the taxes on our fuels. I mean, oil's below $40 a barrel or thereabouts and we're still paying a dollar a liter. That's hurting Canada. You go down to the States, which is our biggest trading partner and our competitor and their their fuel is substantially cheaper and their cost of living is and we can't we can't have this facade of a, of a front saying that we that we're, we're meeting this Paris Accord we're trying to cut all this back when in fact uh, just just on a simple fact in northern uh, in North North America we have winter we have to heat our homes and, and don't put us on the same level as someone in California because they have summer and they cool their homes and they have no problem mm -hmm. saying that's okay, <laughs> but, but to heat your home, we're, we're ruining the climate. But. 
Looking from a more strategic perspective, how do you stand out and how does your party plan to stand out when it seems like there are so many voices that are trying to claim to be the voice of Alberta independence right now? And I, I guess certainly you've consolidated a little bit by the merger, but you still have other groups that are trying to claim that they're the, the true voice on this. And, and that, that might be the most difficult thing, but I think that this pure momentum and, and again, because I'm going to be on the road going full time, um, all of a sudden you, you've, you've got a foot soldier who's doing the work and go out talk to people and, and give them turn on the light in the room and say there's hope here here's another option because two weeks ago I didn't know what my options were what else could I do mm -hmm. you can sit there and complain and, 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 and have nothing or is there a place where I can go and work and make a difference and, and that's what the Wild Rose Independence Party is this is an area where we can come together and government will either see that they need to make these changes now or in 2023 I we, we will be government and we will do it federally and provincially a lot of people on the right and I use the broadest interpretation of that term have gotten very leery of so-called splitting the vote and, and we saw this of course leading to the creation of the Conservative Party of Canada we saw it leading to the creation of the UCP so do you not think that now that Alberta has had an NDP government that there's a risk of, of sabotaging conservative electability if you're going to be running essentially against the Conservatives as well as against the NDP. Yeah, and, and that's a fair question and probably the one that, that, that voters often, like Stelmac used that for me in 2008 and, and basically I had a, the biggest landslide ever because he said a vote for the Wild Rose is a vote for the Liberals. And, and that, 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 that last few days, that, that panic in there because the polls were showing Kevin Taft was doing very good mm -hmm. and he might show might be the next premier. Um, my, my counter on that is, is that first of all, they're not conservatives. Um, are they balancing the budget? Are they allowing freedom of, of religion? Are they allowing freedom of expression, freedom of, of speech, freedom of the press? No, it's all controlled. It's all manipulated. And there's, there's never a wrong time to do the right thing, but there's never the right time to do the wrong thing. <laughs> And, and when they fail to, to, to stay with the basic principles of, the, the proven principles of conservative living, um, lifestyle, uh, and, and constraining the size of government, what choice do people have? And to say that we're gonna split the vote, they're the ones that are splitting the vote, in my opinion. But more important, the, the, the structure of our constitution really is comparable to a, a dam on the river. And there's a lot of, of power that, that's backed up when you do that. And when you put all that power inside government and you have no pipelines or nothing to direct it, but they can use it to buy votes from other regions and redirect and buy here from buy there and we're not on an equal front, we, we really run into the problem of, of of vote buying and socialism that as a citizen we need to realize and reject um, our votes being bought just like we reject um, them giving us uh, opioid or a, a drug it, it, it's a drug and it's addicting and we shouldn't do it but the counter to that is accountability and everyone that I've ever talked to says oh we can't have recall because we can't do what we want to do if mm -hmm. we get in power and I argue in this endlessly that recall is is that uh, vaccine vaccine uh, against socialism 
that if, for example, we, we even go back in Alberta history when Rachel got, got you know, Prentice got voted out, and, and so, oh, Rachel was declared the winner because people said no to Prentice yes, yes. In, in there. And had we had recall, and I brought recall legislation in in 2010, which the PCs just laughed at and voted down again. Um, why do we need that? Well, because we can't trust you. Um, we would have easily, I believe, been able to have, have, have recalled 10, 15 of her MLAs and stopped her from a majority government. And so if, in fact, you know, it, it goes back to the same theory of it's too big to die. I mean, look at our banks, look at the auto industry. When, when you say something's too big to die, it's too big. You need to control it. And, and this is the problem in politics, is, is that government is too big and, and, it, and both both entities want to get in there and they're out of control. We need recall, we need accountability where we can actually go out and human nature is such that we don't try to do something we know that we can't do. Um, there, there are a few people and I, I give them my hats off that go sign petitions, they go to rallies, but does that do anything? Have you ever seen a rally that's changed things for the good? Nope. Mobocracy, I mean, we, yes. we can fall apart and have anarchy and deterioration, but, but you don't see mobocracy coming in and something great coming out of it. There's destruction, there's pillage, there's, just, there's even murder that occurs on those situations. And so we need accountability in elected people, and to me, that... that Vaccination is recall, and when you're upset, you say, you know what, he's, he's not doing, she's not doing what they promised, or they're doing things like the carbon tax, you, you go out and you recall them and you stop them in your tracks. And so government needs to be controlled. The only way it can, in my opinion, is recall. And that actually, when you say we're going to split the vote, well, if the majority of Albertans want more taxes, if they want more of the thing, then, then we should be doing that. Um, but, but we need to have accountability and to be able to stop people, and then people will engage, I believe, and, and you'll see a more democratic peaceful and civil society. You know, when Maxime Bernier failed to win his seat and the People's Party didn't win any seats in the last federal election, he had said that, look, I mean, it took the Green Party 30 years to do something and the media has already always established them as, you know, this real force. Yes. When you look at your party and, and the flashpoint that we're at right now in Alberta and in Canada, do you think that you will be playing a, a long game or do you think that there's enough of a palpable frustration now that you could make an impact on this electorally and or culturally right out of the gate? Well, first of all, I'm going to say 2023 seems like a long ways away. <laughs> so when you say you're that talking now, 30 years, it always comes fast. Yeah. It, it really does. But, but th there's people that want out yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so, like I say, for a lot of people, 2023 is too far away. <laughs> but but really, that's, that's the next um, day of decision. But so it, it, it's a two and a half year um, hike. Uh, we're going to go out there. We're going to build the, the, the party. We're going to build uh, something for Albertans to have a, a hope in. And uh, we're going to be accountable to them. We will have recall. And if we put in uh, the Wild Roads uh, Independence Party and they're not happy, they're going to be able to, to, to go back and say, you know what, um, I, I regret buying that and, and give me my money. And, and that won't be just a 10 day return policy. It'll be the four-year term, term, and uh, I, I it, no, I don't. It's it's not going to be twenty or thirty years. Like when we look back to twenty. 2000, which is actually when I worked very hard to establish the Alberta First Party, which now has come full circle through about four or five different entities. Mm -hmm, yes. um, and, and here I am, I, I, I find that very um, 
<laughs> I don't know, <laughs> amazing that, that the Alberta First Party is actually the first registered party that all these registered parties have come through, and, and it's time to put Alberta first. And back then in 2000, when I kind of first really jumped into politics, I guess in a hard way, was it was about leading by example. We'll first fix our health care, we'll fix our education, we'll fix the size of government and we'll lead and the rest of Canada will see, wow, that's the way to do it. And, and so now it is, it's, it's time to lead by example. We'll do Alberta, we'll first fix our home and then the rest of Canada can look. But, but the fact of the matter is, is that we're going to fix our house, we're going to put it in order when it comes to the economy, when it comes to health care and education. We're going to fix all of those things. And um, if, if Canada doesn't want us and, and want us as equal partners, uh, we'll be gone. Paul Hinman, leader of the Wild Rose Independence Party, thank you so much for uh, the work you're doing and for coming today. Well, thanks very much for being here, Andrew, and keep up your good work. Thank you. Now, whether or not Drew Barnes or Paul Hinman or Derek Sloan, for that matter, are speaking for the majority of Albertans doesn't matter. The whole point here is that they're speaking for a contingent, at least Drew Barnes and Paul Hinman are, that needs to be heard because if it isn't, there are going to be bigger problems for the cultural fabric, not just in Alberta, but also across the country. And to say that if you are a small-c conservative especially, to say that Alberta could leave the country is disastrous for conservatives. But the problem is, if you make that pitch to an Albertan, they'll say, well, that's not our problem. In fact, that's the climate that we want to exit. So whether there is a huge contingent that wants separation or not, Drew Barnes said it's probably about 20% of the people that he was hearing from at the Fair Deal panel meetings. One-fifth is not a group you want to discount. That's sizable enough that it can't and shouldn't be ignored, especially about something so essential, which is, hey, are we getting a fair deal? And that's the common refrain, fair deal, fair deal, fair deal. And listen, I know that I've spoken at this conference in the past, and when I did, people said, oh, that's the Alberta separatist group. Well, it's not actually about that. It's about people that want the best for their province and are growing warier and warier of whether that can happen under the status quo. If it can, I think there are a ton of people that want to be proven wrong. We've talked about the political side of this. In the next episode, I'm going to speak about the cultural aspects of this. And we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of the infamous firewall letter that really encapsulated Western alienation so well. We'll talk to Tom Flanagan and also a former member of parliament, Rob Anders, as well as Danny Hozak, the chairman of the organization that has brought this event to the forefront and has had a dialogue there where no mainstream media seems to want to have one. That'll be all on the second part of this Western Alienation special here on The Andrew Lawton Show. My thanks to all of you for tuning in and all those who sat down with me and were so hospitable when I was out in Calgary for a couple of days putting this together. We'll talk to you in a couple of days. Thank you, God bless, and good day. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.